You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the third episode of the third season of Bugs, with the episode entitled The Price of Peace. Episode Synopsis Ed and Alex are out on the racetrack, about to test a device that shall henceforth be called the Engine Killer. Alex will shoot Ed's bike's engine while in motion to find out if it works. Does it work? We may never find out because two armed men storm the track, gas Alex, steal the device, and leave a couple of signature Bugs Boom Boom devices behind. Ed charges in on his steed and rescues Alex. Back at the Bureau, Beckett is a bit of an a-hole to Ed about losing the device. He accuses him of having his mind on Alex instead of the work, an allegation Ed denies. Some people are not cut out to be supervisors. It's time for Beckett's weekly password change for the ominously named Project Darkling. But before he can, he has to go to the front desk and pick up a very important package. A security card for Van Stratton. The card is absolutely necessary for Beckett to even talk to Van Stratton, a diamond industrialist turned peace negotiator who is in town for a major peace accord. What Beckett does not know is that the courier is none other than one of the two who stole the engine killer, and that the card has a tracker on it. And Stratton is a big deal, and Ross is a huge fan. Beckett is going to his exclusive reception, and Ross is jealous. Beckett lords it over Ross and smugly says, There are some things money can't buy. Some people are not cut out to be supervisors. Beckett and Jan meet Van Stratton, and Van Stratton is placed in Beckett's care and they head off, surreptitiously, in Beckett's Jeep. Meanwhile, Channing shows up with two tickets to Van Stratton's exclusive reception, and all Ross has to do is go to Barbados with him for a technology expo and a spot of cricket in return. It's the cricket that cinches it, and she agrees. I knew I liked Roz for a reason. On the road, the baddies, Trozik and General Chenlov, use the engine killer, I guess it works, on Beckett's Jeep and kidnap both Van Stratton and Beckett. Trozik, Chenloff, and Van Stratton are all acquainted with one another. Van Stratton recently used information provided by the Bureau to humiliate Trozik and get him removed from the peace negotiations. It looks like it might be payback time. Jan takes active control of the Bureau in Beckett's absence, and she is not a happy camper. They've lost the engine killer, Van Stratton, and Beckett. It's a trifecta of bad. Then, the 10 million pound ransom demand for Van Stratton comes in. Beckett and Van Stratton are being held in a mobile command and control van, moving around. Beckett tells Trozik that the Bureau will never pay the ransom, but he reveals it's not about the ransom. It's not even about Van Stratton. They were kidnapping Beckett so that they could force him to give them the password to Project Darkling, a satellite-based missile deployment system that only Beckett can order to launch nuclear annihilation from. They plan to use it to destroy the opposition making the peace talks moot. It takes very little persuasion to get the password from Beckett. I bet that whole, you need to change your password weekly is going to save the day this week. Alex and Roz figure out where the CNC van is and put Ed on its trail. Meanwhile, 
Beckett uses Van Stratton's cute little toy computer device to hack into the van and send Roz a warning that they're really after Project Darkling. It turns out Beckett's password works just fine. Things are looking bad for the gang. Working against them? Pretty much everything. Working in their favor? The satellite can only be contacted every 90 minutes. Ed runs the CNC van off the road just as Beckett stages an escape with Van Stratton and the engine killer. Things don't go well. The general retakes Van Stratton and Beckett drops the engine killer. In the end, the baddies escape with everything except Beckett and Ed. Beckett takes a few moments to exercise his supervisory skills by reminding Ed that it's his fault the engine killer was taken. Some people are not cut out to be supervisors. The baddies did, however, miss the communication window and must wait 90 minutes to re-establish contact with Project Darkling. They changed the password, so Beckett is now completely locked out. They hatch a new plan. Roz will pretend to be a high-tech thief and convince Trozik to use Van Stratton's irises to rob his diamond business. Chenlov doesn't like the idea. He wishes to remain focused on his ideologically motivated need to slaughter people, but Trozik goes for the idea anyway. At Van Stratton's business, Beckett has a cleverly designed plan. Lock Trozik in a lift while Ed disables Project Darkling from the CNC van. It doesn't go well. Alex is spotted by Chenlov and prevented from shutting down the lift. Trozik has actually transferred the firing controls to a remote device on his belt, and Ed is completely locked out of the controls in the van. Trozik is going back for the diamonds, but Chenlov has had enough of this distraction from the killing, and he pulls a gun on Trozik, who probably kills him, and heads back to the lift. It's Ed to the rescue. Using the engine killer, he disables the lift, the power, the remote firing device, and apparently the manual lift emergency brakes, because it plummets to the ground floor, killing Trozik. It's all's well that ends well, and Ed and Beckett are mansion-sitting for Roz as she prepares to leave town for Barbados. Ed mentions to Beckett that it's pretty odd how well-informed Trozik and Chinlov were about all the Bureau's security and top-secret projects and suggests a mole. Beckett dismisses the idea out of hand. Alex wouldn't do it, and Beckett's got Jan wrapped around his finger, forgetting, apparently, how he got roped into this job in the first place. Some people are not cut out to be supervisors. Roz is off with Channing, and Beckett is a sad little puppy. The end. Okay, the price of peace. What was the price of peace? Just out of curiosity. Uh, 10 million pounds. Okay, okay. I guess that's the price of peace. <laughs> Except it wasn't, but... Uh, there were a lot of things that were but weren't in this episode, I, I feel, but okay. yeah. So what'd you think? Well... We've had a, we've had a couple of episodes that I guess are really kind of set up as the new the new kind of outfit, and this is the first one that is, I guess, just a kind of regular. The team do their thing, so you've got more upbeat opening, you know, pretty good quality explosion actually before the credits, which is much more kind of what Bugs is supposed to deliver than the the you know the kind of downbeat um, <laughs> people killing themselves and jumping off cranes and things but, but i mean I, I kind of i don't know i i enjoyed the episode while i was watching it but it was totally empty calories i i i could barely remember what has happened by the time the credits had finished and you know i've been furiously taking notes while you've been doing your synopsis <laughs> i could remember what the hell happened <laughs> That's why we do the synopsis, is for people who've forgotten what the episode was, or have never seen it, but... 
Yeah, I, I, I see about that explosion at the beginning. It's kind of funny. My wife was watching at that point. She didn't make it through the episode. I don't not not a not an indication. It was pretty late at night, and she just was ready for bed. But when the van blew up there at the beginning, she she goes, "Shouldn't there have been two explosions? There were two grenades." <laughs> I thought, "Yeah, they cheaped out on us." This they shortchanged it. They shortchanged this one boom. <laughs> I mean, it didn't have to blow up another van, mind you. It wasn't the it wasn't it wasn't the grenade. The explosion was the the kind yeah, of the secondary van. explosion caused by the van blowing up because of the explosion of the grenade. The second grenade wouldn't have had that advantage, as it were. That that was what I said to her as well. But you know, it still should have been bang bang because they were several seconds apart. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and you know, we want more explosions. And and you know, when you it's watch Bugs, you're counting explosions. And and I greatly appreciated that when my wife was was counting. Yeah. I agree. I, you know, I again, it's like I enjoy watching bugs. It, it's not a chore in, in any stretch of the imagination. It's just, you know, I enjoy watching it. And it's it's a, a good diversion. And it's about the right length. And but that's not why we're here. We're here to to talk about what what we not not to pick on it, but to talk about you know what what it it brings up in our mind. And and one of the things, as you say, this is the first episode that is, I guess, the new format. And I've had my reservations in the last two episodes, and it's a little, now that we get a look at what it's going to be like, you know, I thought how we had our hopes here up on the engine killer, but talk about ridiculously peripherally shoehorned in device. They steal it for the sole purpose, apparently, of disabling Beckett's transportation so that they can kidnap him. They went to a lot of risk and trouble to get a device just to disable a car when, you know, Caltrops could have done the job. And yeah. <laughs> and they wouldn't have hit, yeah. It, it's, very, it's very much the kind of peripheral tech, and, and it's, it, it, I don't, I do think the episode would have been better without it. It was, it was really kind of primarily there for the, pre-title sequence so that there would be something to nick and a reason to have that nice big explosion and it's almost like well if you hadn't if it had been someone else entirely who'd stolen it nothing to do with the main plot then they wouldn't have had to kind of keep it around and it got to the point where Beckett how did it go Beckett grabbed the the engine killer but, but in the before van. he could use in, in the van yeah getting away from the van he he, he grabbed it as he came out but before he used it, he dropped it, and then they picked it up again and took it away. And it was like, "What? The, yeah, this is what? What's even going well, on I, here? What was the point of that?" I and I was thinking to myself, "It's like, okay, he's got the engine killer. What can he do with an engine killer? Well, he can yeah, kill exactly. the engine of the van he's in, and then like, well, what good will that actually do him? Because they'll just come back and shoot him, or they can get out, and then he can use the engine killer on the van. Except he doesn't want." the van to stop he wants the van to keep going and not knowing that he got out it's just it's well, like except, except except that he wants to stop them getting away with van stats van stratton so there could like, there could have been a purpose in him using it at that minute but it it almost felt like they just written a sequence in where he grabs the engine killer and then they grab it back just in order to remind all of us that there's still an engine killer but what the hell is it doing in this episode anyway the actual yep. tech that provides any kind of purpose in driving the plot 
is the villain's clever, well, say, say clever, the villain's card. I mean, it's basically like a satellite version of an air attack, really, isn't it? It's, it's we, perhaps... We're talking about the, the Van Stratton gold card that... that the, the, is... yeah, the, secur- the security card that they... The security card that is so high so high security <laughs> that they can just swap it out for their own version of the yep. card. And yep. no one at any point will sweep for whether Beckett has... I mean, not, not necessarily the card itself, but any kind of tracking device or bugs on him. So there's no there's no kind of checks, no kind of security. I, I'll give you another one. Didn't he? No it's one be checks the card. The Bureau of Weapons, that they just brought this package to reception and there's no security going on at reception. Beckett just takes it and brings it into the building. So he never uses it. I mean, I think he and Jan might wave it at the guard as they walk by at the airport. But to make such a big deal about I have to have this or I can't even talk to Van Stratton, it's like you could have just printed that up on your printer for all you did when you showed it to the guard walking through. And Jan was chatting to Van Stratton, so did she have a card? Because if so, why didn't they courier in both cards at the same time? I mean... And, and and honestly, why did the bad guys require that Beckett come down and sign for it? Because that it would have gone right to him. Anyway, yeah. it's not like somebody would have taken the bureau chief. I guess he's the bureau chief. I don't know. Um, would have taken his mail and routed it to somebody else. As well. <laughs> no, he is, he right is described as the bureau chief. Actually, yes. I mean, s- s- small tangent there, but I put I put a load of notes in there, and you've. You've commented on his capabilities as a supervisor, but I, or when we started one. watching Bugs, my recollection was that Beckett was in charge. And then obviously the initial setup is Ros is in charge. And I thought, oh, right, okay. This is this is kind of more progressive than I thought, but good. Makes sense because Ros is clearly the most capable Competent. of them all, except, you know, if you want someone to do some helicopter driving, then Ed maybe. Right. But they do seem to have swapped that round now. And I, so that's obviously why I remember Beckett being in charge, but I'm not quite sure why he is in charge now. I don't necessarily understand why. I mean, obviously it's because Jan decided to recruit him and then they brought the others into it. But why, why did Jan do it that way? Why didn't Jan decide, well, we'll get, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll use my leverage with Beckett but we'll actually put Ross, Ross in charge because that still makes sense. I mean, I, I would think that, I mean, I still think that Jan caused Beckett's problems. I think that that is not, oh, she's yes. capitalizing on his mistakes. I think she caused them, yes, even yes. though it put down his girlfriend. So he is the one who is the spy. He is the one who was the government agent. He is more akin yeah. to her I can see why she would go for him. And you could yeah. argue that that's why he's in charge, or you could argue that he's the first member they recruited, so he's got the seniority over the other two. No, I, I think I think the only the only justifiable argument is the one that you make, which is that he has a background in working government intelligence, so it kind of makes sense to have him as the interface. Mm-hmm. But that does also mean overlooking his lack of competence <laughs> well 
It can't be any less competent than the previous team at the Bureau of Weapons Technologies. <laughs> well, yes, that is true. They do have they do have form, and they obviously don't wish to learn from it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, and the other thing, I I don't understand. Again, it's because I'm coming to this from the old show, the first two seasons, the previous series of of bugs. I don't understand what the bureau's remit is i mean we're, we're presented with a several things they're doing security for a guy that's running a peace conference that seems to have no nothing in their scope they're sure they're testing out the engine gun we can talk about the the engine killer at some point that that one seems to be the part that falls under their remit and then beckett bureau chief of a thing about weapons technologies apparently the man that can order nuclear strikes I think they were nuclear missiles. If not, they're still missile strikes. Yes. Uh, why is he the one with the codes? Very odd. And the only one with the codes. And you know what would have solved this entire problem? Is if Beckett had just done what everybody else does and left his password on a sticky note on his monitor. <laughs> then Roz could have used it, disabled the thing, saved the day. But no, no. He's to do the whole weekly password changing. What was that about? Nothing came of it. I, I really felt that there was going to be some, like, Beckett gives them the code, and then when they type it in, it says, this password has expired. You must change your password now or something. But no. You know, nothing. I think, I think, I think they wish to prove they've progressed in terms of security over just having the name, the name of the account holder and their <laughs> secret words. I'm sorry, but I left my phone in the car when you kidnapped me, and that's where I get my two-factor authentication codes. You're kind of screwed. <laughs> You're not getting in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was just... But I, I I, didn't see... I mean, just in terms of that, the, the setup, obviously, it does, it does have a bearing in terms of Beckett having those codes. But in terms of the work that they're doing... As you say, they're doing this kind of security work for a peace conference, but the new setup does isn't necessary for that. It's kind of like when in Assassin's Inc, they were doing that that kind of government work through a contact who hired Roz. Yeah. So it, it actually it's makes not better actually, sense. Well, it well it definitely makes better sense. So it's not actually like the new setup is driving a new kind of plot. I think that certainly on the basis of the first three episodes that we've seen they have reduced the kind of tech factor in these plots but otherwise the new setup isn't really changing the kind of thing the show is about it's just giving us this kind of backdrop with these kind of running storylines around who is Jan and why does she have a code name and who is the mole and you know do we trust Alex and also, will Ed get it on with Alex, or will Beckett get it on with Roz, or will Alex get it on with Beckett? Or Beckett. <clears throat> yeah, it's not such a love triangle; it's a love Z shape. Yeah, it's a weird one. Yeah, so I've got here this uh, note, my note that says the soap opera: Beckett and Roz, Roz and Channing, Alex and Beckett. Poor old Ed. Maybe he and Jan can hook up. <laughs> But really laying it on awfully thick uh, at this point. 
I, I do want to come back to something I mentioned, I think, last time. And that was, I commented how really awful Beckett came off when he was trying to mansplain to Alex about the the break-in that they were going to do, the tech for scanning it. And Alex showed him up. And I, I said at the time, it didn't feel like it was in character for me, for Beckett. I don't feel Beckett was in character in this episode either. I made fun of his supervisory skills, and rightly so. He was terrible. He's terrible working as a boss of his two friends, and he is a jerk to them across the board. This is not the same. This is not the same Beckett. I mean, it is obviously, but I mean, it's they're not writing him the same. They have they have done something to him to make him far worse than he ever was before. It's not about think, his competency. It's it's about you just. It's just not how you deal well, with I people. Think, your I think it or is a bit else. about competence because I think if you were try to, to try to explain it within the premise of the show, the change in behaviour is perhaps due to the fact that he has been given this responsibility and with with it this kind of accountability to his boss, and so he's feeling the pressure to need to be seen. I mean, I think this is this is the way a lot of kind of bad management occurs. It's people performing what they think the role of a manager should be. But a bad manager and, should be a foil, not the star or one of the stars. Unless it, it but just... He, but he, what he's doing is obviously kind of doing this buck passing. He's, he's, you know, accusing Ed of losing the engine killer, for example, but not in an any way constructive kind of a way. What can we learn from this? What did we do wrong? What should we do differently? What did what did you need that we didn't provide? You know, there's none of that about it. It's just, I'm going to blame you so that when my boss blames me, I can shift the blame down a step. No, no, no. Doesn't explain why he's uh, he's such a jerk to Roz about the tickets. Well, I guess there's something money can't buy. You know, again, it's just... Yeah, I don't I, I get that, that he's well. bitter. I, I get he's bitter about Channing. And and he's probably bitter about the fact that she's going up in the world and he's a poorly paid civil servant. But at the same time, yeah, she's there as a favor to him, and nothing more, really. So I don't I don't know. It just it really rubbed me the wrong way. I, so much so that I have a little question mark down here that says, "Is this actually a doppelganger Beckett?" And this is the mole. <laughs> But I don't think it is. I have two other, uh, I have two other uh, leads up that on that. I'll, I'll bring up. Yeah, time, I do but, think uh, it is. I don't know. Um, we do. You, you touched on it. We get a mention that Jan is a, uh, she's a bad person, um, or we're given the well, impression that she's a bad person. I know it's Troxy that's saying it, but at the same time, you know, he sounds like he's saying it from a point of understanding what it is that Jan does as a job. And I think we get hints of that, that if the Bureau is supplying information that may or may not even be true to discredit this man, then she's in the the dirty tricks department of the government. And yeah, all right. So I, I, I don't think the team necessarily trusts her. Obviously, we're setting that up with with Beckett's incredibly stupid. Oh, I've got her wrapped around my finger. It's like, oh, seriously, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Sure you do. Uh-huh. Okay. 
But it seems like everyone's referring to her as Jan, and only last week she was like, you will not call me Jan in this office, you will call me director. Like it was too informal. Now it sounds like a code yeah. name. Well, there's also, there's also the fact that in terms of first names, apparently only Roz can get away with calling Beckett Nick. That was new to me. I don't think Ed ever does call him Nick. No, but Alex did. Yeah, and then that's why he was telling her that, yeah. Yeah. I think that was, man, that was kind of clumsy dialogue. It was kind of clumsy dialogue. It was to remind us that Alex has a crush on on Beckett, which I did not know until that moment. That was was literally the first I realized that when he said said he wasn't apparent in the previous episodes. I think it was... Yeah. You're really concerned about him, aren't you? What? Well, yeah, I mean, sure. (laughs) Somebody I work with has been kidnapped. Of course I'm concerned about them. Not, you know. (laughs) Well, yes. So there's a little bit of, a little bit of, that does not mean she's in love with him. That just means it's a guy she knows and worked with and maybe respects, because she hasn't worked with him long enough. Or, (laughs) but you were really concerned about Yeah, yeah. I mean, I th- I I can understand. I think there is some middle ground there in the in the sense that she could be really concerned because yeah, she's developed a crush on him. Um, but equally, I think there is the possibility there that it could just be concerned because someone in the office has been kidnapped. Although, if it were me, I have to admit I would go further down the line to someone says someone in the office has been kidnapped. I'd be like, oh my god, who? And they'd be like, Becky. Oh right, okay then. Never mind. Well, based on his supervisory skills this week, yes, I will say he, he's definitely he's definitely somebody in the office that I would. Uh, but prior to this, I think all of the people working with him would be upset um, and concerned because he's he's an if not entirely competent in certain areas, he's an invaluable member of the team, and now he seems to be the team, and there is backup players. Yeah. Yeah, about that. Well, I, I don't have all. I ran a little short on time on getting my notes out, so I've got one last thing that I'm going to ask, and I'm just going to put this out there. In the end, we're back to the engine killer. In the end, Ed goes under the lift, shoots the engine killer up at the lift, which causes uh, a number of things. Power goes out in the lift. The lift stops, uh, which is what they were trying to do in the first place. The, uh, the the electronic gizmo remote firing device on his uh, belt goes dead. Presumably his digital watch dies. You know, it's, it's it seems to be a general dampening field thingy. And then the elevator plummets, which I'm pretty sure this is not a, well, we do it differently in Europe. I'm pretty sure that the brakes on elevators are, are engaged uh, mechanically. Like, so that they cannot be, you cannot plummet to your death because of power failure or even cable oh, snapping. Oh, I thought, right. You mean in the States, they don't, it's not like here and they're all just held up by electromagnets. No, it's like, no, no, man. Occasionally have a safety thing, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that was put in place during the, uh, the, you know, the FDR administration and it's the Republicans haven't gotten around to repealing <laughs> it. Government oversight, but or overreach. But, but uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, that was, that was the big boom. But I ask you this question, why not just use it on the van? Why not just take out the computers that are relaying the launch firing control up the satellite 
why not just remove power from the van so that the satellite transmitter can't work and his remote firing device is useless? You know, that's a very excellent point, and uh, I don't have the answer to it. I hadn't even thought of it because I was too focused on the fact that we've discussed how the engine killer seems a bit superfluous to this episode, and it's because the kind of the denouement in which it's actually used doesn't quite fit its purpose. It almost does because you think, well, here is something that, you know, works like a a pinch or whatever, the electromagnetic pulse knocks out all of the all of the kind of electronics and the kind of threat here is an a remote electronic detonating device. And there's no other way of stopping the guy except stopping him pressing that button. So if you kill the electronics, that works. <laughs> On the <laughs> other hand, if you also have his lift kind of plunge however many stories to crush him to death <laughs> it's like well you don't actually need something that is going to disable the electronic button because he's not going to be able to press it if he's been mashed into a tiny pile of pulp at yep. the bottom of a long lift shaft so yep. it, it it feels more like the engine killer could what the engine killer does in this could have been done by I don't know a grenade or you know yeah, something or- low tech and highly high explosive um so what you what you suggest would have been great but actually even just if they had committed to the idea that obviously was kind of motivating this and and set up a situation where the only way to stop him was to stop him pressing the button and not kind of worry about actually you know having having that final explosion but then you know this is bugs gotta have the explosions and I'm not even convinced that's where the motors are on a lift. And I'm not convinced they're on the lift. I think they may be off no. on the side, on the shaft somewhere, or at the very top or I bottom. I think they're at the top, and I, I kind of thought, well, you take the electronics as a lift. You've, you've got, you presumably, I mean, what for one thing, you've got the controls in the lift, but that starts and stops it, and it's already in motion. But then you've also got the actual motor, which I think is at the top. And there's probably some electronics around that. And he's broadly firing up, so you could argue that he's taken that out. But the brakes are going to fail safe, and that obviously didn't happen, so it just doesn't make any sense. And I'll 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 keep on the, the engine killer because that was part of this show that I was I was really had hopes on. But um at the beginning of this episode, Ed, who doesn't seem to know anything about how the engine killer works, and Alex who also doesn't actually know how it works because she's asking which technology it uses. I mean, she rattles off a bunch of different yes. possibilities, but she doesn't actually know which of this particular device is. I, I say to myself, why is it these two people are testing this device out? And how much <laughs> how much testing has this device been done? I mean, do they have they used it in a lab and shot it at a stationary motor and found out, yes, it stopped the motor, and now we're going to go see if it, stops a motor in motion and oh yeah let's try a couple of other wild cards let's use it on a motorcycle which seems to be probably the most dangerous thing that they could try to take out and let's use it with a guy on the motorcycle to see if it harms him and let's pick a guy who's filled with metal already because of all the pins in his body that he sets off metal detectors because I'm sure bouncing those beams off of all that metal isn't going to cause any 
issues. It's just like, this does not... Well, the, the motorbikes made of metal, so they'll be bouncing things off that. But certainly the fact that they, that Ed is, yeah, Ed is testing it on a motorcycle because last time he tested a motorcycle, that yeah, worked out really well. well. For him. But I, I mean, I, I think almost kind of worse than that is the fact that it leads to a kind of confusion of what's actually occurring in that opening because the the kind of as you say it's not obvious why they would be the ones testing it out unless it comes down to the fact that ed is this excellent motorbicyclist and can do all of the kind of high speed stunt driving and they need someone to operate the the um device of course but then you would have thought they want a whole bunch of people to actually take measurements and observe what happens and possibly it could be they actually just want to show it off to kind of more senior figures and in the background you see a couple of people who look like they are military types because they appear to be wearing camouflage oh, uniform well it's 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 our guy Trozek that's, yeah, I, I saw those you, guys. Yeah, you cut I assumed to them. Ed didn't and, know. And, well, I didn't. I assumed that they were they were observing. Well, they were observing, ah. right? They were right. observing from a distance, and that was because they wanted to nick the bloody thing. But I didn't know that. I didn't okay. know that until I, they nicked it. I was go I was thinking, well, they're just there because they're observing. Because you would have people observing this test, wouldn't you? I guess. I mean, I I did think, I think it was the framing of the shot, because I, as I recall correctly, they were quite far back, and they were framed at a distance, which typically indicates that this is somebody being a bit sneaky. So I, I did yes, think it they does, were, but I did think that they were not officially there, but it could also indicate that they are filming at a location where it isn't you know they're they're using tight camera work to hide the fact that it's not what they want it to appear to be because you know budget bbc one tv show kind of thing they spent all the money on the explosions and then they and they shorted us one they shorted us a boom (laughs) yeah i got it (laughs) um I, i the other thing that that not about the engine killer, but Ed's uh, incapacitance is, uh, seems to have been forgotten yes. here. And, you know, it, it, it really felt like that was going to be a running thing, but I guess not. I, I'm really surprised by that, actually. I, I really thought that this was going to be the opportunity where they you know, maybe used Alex to do some of the daring do that Ed couldn't do uh, because he's now uh, an invalid uh, of some to some degree, but yeah, let's talk about the mole. Who do you think is the mole? I could I could speculate on this because I genuinely don't remember. Okay, good, good. I I have exactly two choices, but uh, but yeah, all right, cool. Well, I think it's call. Channing. I agree. I think it's Channing. I think Channing is the mole. There is one other possibility, and this is this is a stretch. I mean, obviously, it could be Jan, but. I don't think so. I think we're supposed to think it's Jan. Yes, I think we're supposed to think it's Jan. I think it's Channing. But there's another possibility. I think it's Roland. Blimey. Remember? 
eyes I don't pop open what at the end. Roland. He was in a comatose state in the last episode of the last season, and Roz says goodbye to him, walks out the door, and then there he is in his hospital bed, and his eyes pop open. And I said, that is setting us up for next year. And you said, nah, I think it's, I think something to do with the fact that the people from the Bureau are not actually dead. Yeah. Um, okay. That fits. That fits. But I, I don't, you know, I don't know what's, you know, last we saw was just this supposedly comatose man who was never going to recover opens his eyes. I, I don't know. Is it is it Roland? Is Roland now a remote control for a computer? Is I don't know. You know, is Cypherax still floating around somewhere? The virus? I don't know. But it just crossed my mind that he really shouldn't have any access to the agency, per se, but he would have some institutional knowledge about things that, that like maybe Project Darkling's been going on for a long time, or the engine killer... Right? Yeah, there, there's there's problems with that, but but I think Channing is the best. I think Channing's the best bet because he's come out of nowhere and I I I definitely get the feeling he's yeah he's and he's being established as a as a kind of as someone who could be up to no good. He's obviously yeah. the 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 kind of faint is that Ros likes him and we think Ros is good and. We trust her judgment, but equally, mm-hmm. although he's starting out as charming, he's also obviously quite sort of self-interested. So you're setting up something where it wouldn't be a complete turnaround to find out that he was actually even more devious than he appears. And besides, by throwing Channing into the mix, you break up what would have been a perfect arrangement. It could have been Alex loves Beckett, Beckett loves Roz, Roz loves Ed, Ed loves Alex. <laughs> could have just they could have just ran that around in a, a whole sad puppy dog series of eyes, but they introduced Channing into the mix to just kind of make it a chain instead. Um, so yeah, but I but I also think that you know that's part they put Channing into the mix to to mess up the because they've got they want to they want to do the Beckett Ross thing right. They need to then put something into the mix to kind of mess it up or complicate it mess it up for Beckett I mean and they can resolve that at the end of the series as it well at the end of the season as uh, in US terms because they can they can then have Channing taken out of the way the scales fall from Ross's eyes and if they want to conclude things there then they can create the happy ending out of that and if they decide to renew for another season well then they'll have to introduce some other spanner into those particular works Channing is this year's Jean-Michel, Jean-Daniel well you know right, fine, fine. Now, now here's, a, here's another question for you uh, I find this extremely hard to believe but then honestly you can take 99 shows out of 100 that people do shipping on and I go yeah I don't see that that's just ridiculous and the occasional one Mulder and Scully I can see that one you know but but so many other shows there's there's shippers for everything has anyone ever shipped Roz and Beckett I just don't believe it I just don't believe it and and if they did would they be Wreck-It or Rocket 
Because I don't yeah. think they'd be Boz. I don't think they'd be Boz. I think you could do that one. I think Wreck It is probably appropriate because if they do it, they're going to wreck it, the show, completely. <laughs> but, but I don't think go. they will wreck it completely because it's like when you have these kind of very perfectly balanced relationships, and I think Mulder and Scully are a, a good example, I think, Steed and Mrs. Peel, that you you don't want it to happen. And I think, actually, The X-Files is an excellent example of why not, because we get to see the consequences of, of what happened. Oh, yeah. And, that you know, that's all to do with the kind of the chemistry, but also also how kind of that the closeness, the, in, the intimacy within the friendship that exists, you know, may be fueled by that chemistry, but without it being consummated is what drives the show because the because the relationship, the friendship is so strong and so appealing. I don't feel like that is such a special thing in this. It's not like Ros and Beckett have this chemistry of any kind that this that this would destroy. Yeah, it doesn't feel like I mean maybe that is partly why it doesn't feel like there is a chemistry there that that um finding a resolution to that would be a problem. I don't know exactly what it would do to the show, but and I, and like you say, I, I'm kind of feeling like it's it's enjoyable. It's much less of a chore watching Bugs than I expected it would be when I suggested it, based on my memory of the show. But it's not kind of the new Avengers or whatever, and I think that is partly because we don't quite have that same success in the chemistry between these leads mm. and they've changed it's the okay. dynamic now yeah and i and i i think i think that's interesting i mean i think in some ways i'm a bit i'm a bit surprised to find i preferred maybe the setting when they were independent rather than part of this hierarchy but i definitely think bringing alex into the mix is actually a good move. I'm enjoying it so far anyway. Yeah, I don't have anything against her. She's She seems useful uh, and likable uh, character. She fits in very well. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's not yeah, it's not that. It's just, I don't know. They have, uh, it's funny you should mention the, the, I mean, it's not funny you mentioned the new Avengers because we've talked about that many a time. But uh, really thinking about it, even though even though Steed is obviously the senior person, in the New Avengers, they they really are equals. They're yeah. balanced much better. Uh, it's not Steed bossing them around. Yes, he does occasionally because he's the one that brings, you know, brings the case or brings the the problem or sometimes. But and of course, some episodes are driven by the fact that Steed's got you know ninety five years of screwing up bad guys <laughs> and so there's always a revenge plot going on there against him but uh yeah it's it's much more balanced but, and they've thrown this also, yeah. and they were a lot more balanced before i did have a hard time agreeing with you that roz was in charge of gizmos but but her <laughs> gadgets or whatever because i they were they were much more balanced things seemed to come in to their organization through two or three different routes as if they were as if they were proper equals with different skills more like the new avengers here 
this this boss subordinate thing is is not working to me. Um, maybe they'll fix it, but right now it's like you know, it fe- does it does feel feel a bit of a distraction. I yeah, I I kind of I th- I think I it's, it's hard for me to say because I just can't you know stretch my memory back twenty five years and say exactly what the rest of the this season or indeed you know the 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 rest of the the show with this setup was like i think it is worse in this episode in the sense that the kind of office politics are more prominent and more distracting and that the element i kind of like about it is that is the kind of jan brings the case and kind of cracks the whip but essentially just lets them get on with it for most of the episode there's 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 not this kind of hauling them over the carpet when when stuff goes wrong and the, and then them kind of getting pissy about it it that's a bit tiresome uh-huh. all the stuff you're picking up with with Beckett I mean I think you're right I think I'm down on him because I just don't particularly warm to Jesse Birdsell as a as an actor and I think you need kind of more charm in the in in the lead characters but you're definitely right it doesn't help the way he's being written in this one i don't have anything else i don't really have anything else okay i think i mean i i made a few notes and we seem to have hit, hit most of them quite quickly so well um i have no i do know what the next episode is <laughs> hollow man hollow man is the next episode so we'll that's not giving me anything. That's not giving me anything unless, unless it's somebody, wait, wait, wait. It's somebody who has invented an invisibility device or it's somebody who has made an elaborate con to make people think they've got an invisibility device. Going with that. Well, I know, I know which episode of the Avengers you're referring to. <laughs> Always look on the lookout for a retread of an Avengers plot. So, well, be even better if Warren Mitchell guest stars in the episode. So let's wait and see. Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. And listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash fusion patrol or patreon.com slash fusion patrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently running a special series on Babylon 5. Come join the conversation in the comments section of this episode at FusionPatrol.com. You'll also find there over a decade of past episodes. You can find some of our other works at SoundCloud.com slash FusionPatrol. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. Find out what happens when a production team looks at their TV series and says, Hey, this just isn't working. Next time on Fusion Patrol, we'll be looking at the Galactica 1980 episode, The Return of Starbuck. Come join the conversation.